sponsor the reading of God's word, we will sing Psalter 416, stanzas 1 and 2. As the heart about to falter in its trembling agony, panted for the brooks of water, so my soul does pant for thee. 1 and 2 of 416, after the reading of God's word, which for this night, this afternoon, you can find in the book of Micah, of which we will read chapter 6 Micah chapter 6 the word of the Lord hear ye now what the Lord says arise contend thou before the mountains and let the hills hear thy voice hear ye O mountains the Lord controversy and ye strong foundations of the earth For the Lord has a controversy with his people, and he will plead with Israel. O my people, what have I done unto thee, and wherein have I wearied thee? Testify against me. For I brought thee out of the land of Egypt, and redeemed thee out of the house of servants, and I sent before thee Moses, Aaron, and Miriam, O my people, remember now what Balak the king of Moab consulted, and what Balaam the son of Beor answered from Sittim unto Gilgal, that you may know the righteousness of the Lord. Wherewith shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before the high God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves of a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, or with ten thousand of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has showed thee, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of thee? But to do justly, and to love mercy, and to walk humbly with thy God. The Lord's voice cried unto the city, and the man of wisdom shall see thy name. Hear ye the rod, and who had appointed it. Are they yet the treasures of the wicked, wickedness in the house of the wicked, and the scant measure that is abominable? Shall I count them pure with the wicked balances, and with a bag of deceitful weights? For the rich men thereof are full of violence, and the inhabitants thereof have spoken lies, and their tongue is deceitful in their mouth. Therefore also will I make thee sick in smiting thee, in making thee desolate because of thy sins. Thou shalt eat, but not be satisfied, and thy casting down shall be in the midst of thee, and thou shalt take hold, but thou shalt not deliver. And that which thou deliverest will I give up to the sword. Thou shalt sow, but thou shalt not reap. Thou shalt tread the olives, but thou shalt not anoint thee with oil. And sweet wine, but thou shalt not drink wine. For the statues of Omri are kept, and all the works of the house of Ahab. And you walk in their counsels, that I should make thee a desolation, and the inhabitants thereof a hissing. Therefore ye shall bear the reproach of my people." don't think it is an overstatement that in our nation 
We have a kind of a crisis concerning homes when we see more and more homeless people, displaced people. That you would walk downtown Los Angeles or closer by here in the city or even in a place like Grand Rapids, which was unthinkable maybe 10 years ago. We see that now all over the place. Many times homeless men and women often stand at the corners of the street. And to be honest, very often I just pass by them. But suppose when the first cold weather of the year come in, in the next couple weeks, and a homeless man or woman approach you and would ask you, I just want to get in, out of the cold of the night. So he pleads. What do you do at such a moment? Or more personal, what does the Lord require of you? That is the question the Lord that God asks you and me eh, this night, out of Micah 6, verse 8. He has showed you, O man, what is good, and what the Lord does require of thee, but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. In fact, these words speak of the fruit of the Spirit, goodness. As the Apostle writes in the Epistle to the Galatians, chapter 5, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, meekness, temperance. Goodness, to do good. Now, when you will do a survey in our culture, and would you now really say that people do more and more good? In the world in which we live, which is not passing by our church, our families, people have to deal more and more with the, say, the digital cruelty on the social platforms, social pressure, all the images that we see non-stop, the heart-wringing images of human despair, say recently in Hawaii, to the wildfires in Canada. And, and sometimes people ask, what is wrong with people? And the answer is, people. The darkness of the human heart. So what is needed in a world that longs, that it is acknowledged or not, but that longs for goodness. Is it not redemption, friends? Salvation for a world of cruel people? For a world of nice people? It does not C.S. Lewis write or wrote, the world of nice people, content in their own niceness, look no further, turned away from God, would be just as desperately in need of salvation as a miserable world. For mere improvement is not redemption. Though redemption always improves people, even here and now, and will in the end improve them to a degree we cannot yet imagine. But God came, became man to turn creatures into sons and daughters, not simply to produce better men of an old kind, but to produce a new kind of man. A good man, a good woman, biblically good, radically good. And friends, what is good? 
as the Lord reminds us this night, justice, mercy, and humility. The theme for tonight. And therefore, two main brief mantles, the context of these words and the content of these words of Micah 6, verse 8. Congregation, the prophet Micah preached during the reign of the kings of Judah, Jotham and Achaz and Hezekiah in the period 750 to 686 before Christ. A time that Assyria became more dominant in the region, overtook the kingdom of Israel, controlled Judah. A time when the rich became richer and the poor became poorer. The exploitation of the middle class, we would say. A time of morally corrupt nation and its leaders. A time of increased injustice. As for example, chapter 2. Woe to them that devise iniquity and work evil. They practice it. Because it is in the power of their hand. They covet fields. They take it by violence and houses. And take them away. So they oppress a man and his house. And women of my people have cast out from their houses. And their children have they taken away my glory forever. But friends, the Lord is this not saying to the enemies of Israel and Judah, to Assyria. But this is what the Lord says to his covenant people. Micah's proclamation, preaching is in essence throughout the book, a word, God's word, of both judgment and redemption. A word dealing about the covenant relationship between a faithful God and his disobedient people. Despite who they were before him. And yet the Lord speaks to them. He pleads with them. And and therefore coming to chapter 6 we read. For the Lord has a controversy with his people. And he will plead with Israel. As he pleads with you. With you. Oh my people what have I done to you? Wherein have I wearied you? To you, testify against me, says the Lord. He says, for I have brought you out of the land of Egypt, redeemed you out of the house of the uh, servants. I sent before you Moses, Aaron, and Miriam. Oh, my people. Kinalong congregation, remember what Balaam, king of Moab, consulted and what Balaam, the son of Beor, answered him from Sittim to Gilgal, so that you may know the righteousness of the Lord. The Lord asks you and me tonight, what have I done to you? How have I wearied you? I've brought you up. I redeemed you. When you received a place at the Lord's table, I, it was I who sent deliverance. It's the echo of Deuteronomy 8, eh, where the Lord reminds us, you should remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you. Look back tonight. That he fed you. And that he took care of you. Remember. Balak who wanted to destroy you. Balaam who prophesied hope over you. Remember what happened at Sittim and Gilgal. Meaning Sittim was the. Israelites last station before crossing the Jordan. And Gilgal the first in the land of Canaan. And so God's bids them to remember all that had happened between those places. Their sin in Sittim. Their mercy that he showed them. 
They're going through the Jordan. The renewal of the covenant at Gilgal. Look back in your life tonight, friends. And see. And testify. Parents, if you come home tonight. If you cannot deny his grace in your life. Testify of the great faithfulness of the Lord. That is what the Lord shows us. eh? The faithfulness, his faithfulness to the continuing preaching of his word. Sunday after Sunday. Every week I get the bulletin and I see another preacher. Another preacher. Another preacher. Let us never take it for granted. His faithfulness to, to the administration of the sacrament. That it is baptism, Lord's Supper. His faithfulness in his provision every day. Remember. Does not the psalmist say. Eh? What shall I render to the Lord. For all his benefits towards me. Or what we read in verse 6 of our text. Chapter, Wherewith shall I come before the Lord. And bow myself before the high God. With what? With what shall you come before the Lord? There are two wrong answers, young people. And there is one right answer. You see, there is an infinite distance, great distance between unholy and good doing God. And you and me by nature. We have fallen out of God's favor in ourselves. Never step over that. And, and our sin, eh? the Lord speaks in Micah 1 from his holy temple about his displeasure of the sins of the house of Israel, the transgression of Jacob. Who can stand? Do you ever pray, Lord, if you mark my iniquity? Hmm? Catechism says, how can you escape God's punishment and begin received into his favor? The Lord attests to, to all of us tonight. What more is there to do to my vineyard, which I have not done? And he asks you, particularly when by grace you have received a place at the Lord's table. Who has delivered you? Who has redeemed you? Who has drawn you with cords of love? And therefore, he has every right to ask each of us this night, what more was there to do? My care and concern for you, says the Lord, for for your children, for your grandchildren, all those years, And that you see it by grace or or that you don't see it. And so how shall you come before the Lord? With burnt offerings? Shall you come before the Lord giving your firstborn to please him? To find favor with him? Verse 6b, shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calls of a year old? Verse 7, will the Lord be pleased with thousands of them, with ten thousand rivers of oil? 7b, shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, for my sin? The fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? Is that 
what the Lord requires of you? Rhetorical questions. And the answer is no. Wrong answers. Burnt offering. The burnt offering in the Old Testament was needed to turn God's wrath away from sinful people. And once the Lord satisfies his wrath through the sacrifice, it passes away, allowing fellowship with him and his people. The prophet rhetorically asks, shall you come before the Lord with a wealth of offerings, ten thousands of them, and ten thousand rivers of oil? Do, do you not see that, that as the Old Testament sacrifice was never to satisfy God's wrath against sin, as every day, day after day, sacrifices were brought before the Lord, burnt offer, offerings were present, day after day for centuries, and it only pointed to the great need, to this one and only satisfying sacrificial lamb, the Lord Jesus Christ, the one to be ruler in Israel, as promised in Micah 5. And so, friends, all your and my works and deed in itself, they can never bring you in God's favor. Have you discovered that in your life by grace? That all my righteousness, the good things that I do, are as filthy rags. And all my righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. And you stand before the Lord with empty hands. Well, shall you give your firstborn for your transgression, for the sin of your soul? One commentator writes, those who are fully convinced of their sin and of their misery and danger by reason of it would give all the world if they had it for peace and pardon. Friends, never step over it, but our sins are too great that our that all your offerings, in whatever form, that it is pious or not, or more prayer, or more outward piety, the blood of bulls and goats, says the Lord, cannot take away your sin. What, what then does the Lord require of you? The one right answer, verse 8, he has showed thee, he has showed you, has it not... We can render these words, has it not been told to you, O mortal, O man, O woman, what is good, and what the Lord does require of you, but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God? Now what does then the Lord require of you? Try to do your best? Is that the reading and the meaning of these text words? But that denies the context of these words. Denies the need for atonement, redemption. Denies the need of that one and only sacrifice, the Lord Jesus Christ. To which the prophets direct our attention. Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression? <clears throat> and on the one hand, this first point to the past. We, 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 we live in an individualistic society, but not so in the Old Testament, where the firstborn represented the head of the family and all the possessions. 
where the firstborn is significant to redemption. Exodus 13, for example. Every firstborn of man among your son, you shall redeem to make an atonement for sins and transgression. As, as with Abraham, he required to offer Isaac on Mount Moriah. Many things were there. The fire, the wood, but, but, but where is the lamb? For my sin. For my heaven high guilt. What is then your hope? Further self-improvement? God himself will provide the lamb for a burnt offering. That's your only hope. That is his offer. Also tonight. To you. On the other hand, this first point to the future. Jesus Christ, the firstborn among many brethren, Romans 8, verse 29. Of every creature, Colossians 1, verse 16. Among every, everything is there. The Lamb of God Christ, the only sacrifice of his apostle reminds us, by which will we are sanctified to the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And then the Lord says in his word in Hebrews, the epistle to the Hebrews and their sins and their iniquities, I will remember no more. Hmm? And your sins and your iniquities, that is his offer to you tonight, I will remember. No more. That is his gracious, that is his generous offer to you. Salvation is from the Lord. Which the prophet proclaims at the end of the book, chapter 7. Who is a God like unto you who pardons iniquity, who passes by the transgression of the remnant of his heritage. He retains not his anger forever because he delights in mercy. He will turn again and he will compassion on us. He will subdue our iniquities and he will cast all your sins in the depths of the sea. Friends, to whom else shall you then go? What the Lord requires us, He gives, He grants, He provides freely, unconditionally, graciously, mercifully, for Christ's sake. Oh, friends, it is freely prepared and it must be freely received. God did not owe us anything. And as I said in my prayer, he yet, yet he gave everything, his son. And he took the sins of his people, he took your sins. So that he will subdue your iniquities. Then it is Christ who endured the wrath of God. So that he does not retain his anger forever to you. Whose father turned away his face in the darkest hour of the cross. He turns to you and have compassion on you and 
delights in you. Then it is Christ who went into the depths of hell. So that your sins are cast in the depths of the sea. Forgiven and forgotten forever. And the Father accepted what Christ has done. Done what you and I what you and I never can and could do. Friends, to be reminded, for by grace you are saved through faith, not of yourself. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And it is by grace that you have brought out of Egypt slavery of sin. And then you have received the Ten Commandments, a rule of gratitude, of thanksgiving. You are saved, not because you obey, but obey because you are saved. So what then does the Lord require of you? And friends, you can read the law of God as we hear Sunday after Sunday. You shall not make idols, take the Lord's name in vain, not kill, not adultery, not steal, not by fault witness, not comfort. Or you hear the Lord speaking to you, as Micah reminds God's covenant people, for I brought you out of the land of Egypt, and redeemed you out of the house of servants, and I sent before thee Moses, Aaron, and Miriam. Oh, my people, remember. I've given my law. Shall you not make idols? Shall you not take the Lord's name in vain? Shall you not love God and your neighbor? And he asks each of us tonight, from Micah 6 verse 8, to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with thy God. Friends, does the Lord ask you and me too much? Requires out of thankfulness, out of gratitude, out of love to him who loved you first, to do justice, to love kindness, mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. In fact, these are three aspects of goodness, eh? To do justice. The Old Testament context refers to the care and concern for the poor, for the widows, the orphans, the foreigners, the refuges, refugees. Very practical for us today. Congregation, how are we doing? As families, as congregations. It is not the Lord reminds his people in Exodus 22, Thou shalt neither vex a stranger nor oppress him, for you were strangers in the land of Egypt. You shall not, not wrong the sojourner or oppress him, for you were a sojourner in the land of Egypt. In Deuteronomy 10, the Lord reminds us, For the Lord your God loves the strangers, providing them food and clothing, and so shall you. Also love the strangers, the refugee, the homeless. For you were strangers. Hmm? In our worship service, we confess our help is in the name of the Lord. which made heaven and earth, the sea and all that in there is. And keeps truth forever. 
Of as Psalm 146 reminds us who he is. He executes judgment for the oppressed. Who gives food for the hungry. Who loose the, the Lord loose the prisoners. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord raises them that are bowed down. He loves the righteous and preserves the stranger, the orphan and the widow. Are we not called then to do the same? Out of thankfulness, also for this new week that lies before us. Because, friends, when we stand that day, that day before the judgment seat of God, that last day, the Lord will not ask about our orthodoxy, but our orthopraxis, the right practice of a Christian. Then shall the king say unto them, as is the right hand, Come, ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungered, and you gave me meat. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. Naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. And then shall the righteous answer. And, and maybe among us, eh? We will wonder, we will stand and we will answer saying, Lord, when, when did we see the hunger and fed thee and thirsty and give thee drink? And when did we see a stranger and took thee in and naked and clothed thee? Or when did we see the sick and the prison and come to thee? And the king so answer and say to you, Verily I say to you, inasmuch as you have done it unto the least of this, my brethren, You have done it unto me. Does not James remind us what pure and true religion is? Pure religion before God and the Father is this. To visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction. Friends, how are we doing? What does the Lord require of you? To do justice. To love mercy. Covenant loyalty. Loving kindness. Which is expressed in kindness towards those around you. Unconditionally. Unconditionally. As God in Christ showed undeserved and unconditionally his mercy towards you as you are in yourself. But to live out of forgiveness. Forgiveness of God for Christ's sake. The forgiveness of your spouse or friend. Forgiveness is practiced in the midst of the congregation. In showing goodness in private and in public. It does not the apostle remind us in Romans 12. Show mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be genuine. Give to the saints. Bless those who persecute you. Weep those with those who weep and associate you with the lowly. Repay no evil for evil and never avenge yourself. Friends, I think a true Christian is a merciful, forgiving Christian because it is rooted in the mercy and forgiveness of God in Christ. And an authentic heart of love, love's kindness. One more thing on mercy and justice before we go to the third aspect of goodness. 
we've, we've all, let me be practical tonight. With all the shootings that go around in our nation, and the killings, even recently, I think, in Florida. In Romans 13, the Lord shows that the government carries the sword to reward good and to punish evil. You don't release criminals in the world. And yet it would take a form of wanting him to forgive, praying for him and visiting him in prison and offering to forgive him. Justice and mercy. Let me illustrate this, how this could look like. Maybe you remember in 2015 when there were a number of people killed in the historic African-American church in Charleston, South Carolina. And then the survivors and the children, they were able to speak directly to the accused gunman in the first court appearance. And one by one, those who spoke at the bond hearing did not turn in anger. Instead, they remained forgiving. And one daughter said, I forgive you to the gunman. And her voice was breaking with emotion. She said, you took something very precious for me. I will never talk to her again. I will never hold her again. But I forgive you. And I have mercy on your soul. Justice and mercy. What does the Lord require of us, thirdly? To walk humbly with your God. To walk a life close to the Lord. After we hear the, the, the word preached on Sunday, every Sunday. And when there is Lord's Supper administered in the congregation. Congregation, how are we doing? And I start here. Are we really walking, also this new week. Walking humbly with your God. Because walking with God, that means there must be communion eh? with him. Based because of the union in Christ. Eh, Practically speaking, there must be a life of prayer. That you experience being in God's presence. And having communion with him. You, You converse with him. Young people, young parents... The business of your life. Begin the day together. 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 In prayer. Don't grab your phone and check your messages and whatever is going on. Have communion together with the Lord. So that you can walk humbly before him. That means a life in his word. Eh? If, you want to, if you want to love someone more, you want to be in his or her presence, is it not? You want to have more acquaintance with someone who you love. And so it is with the Lord. A life in his word that you experience his voice. And yes, to walk humbly with your God, uh, it is also reminding yourself 
this, this knowledge of mind and heart that you walk before a holy and just God a deep sense that once says the apostle you were separated from Christ you were strangers of the covenant of God. you had no hope and you were without God in the world but also reminded when you walk humbly before your God that God being rich in mercy because of the great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. And therefore we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared before us, that we should walk in them. What is good? And what does the Lord require of you? To do good. This fruit of the spirit. Friends. Goodness is a grace. Doing justice. Doing mercy. Walking with God. Do justice. Love kindness. Walk humbly. It it, it almost sounds too simple. But it is harder than it looks. Because. Let me end with some practical application but because what would it look like if we all demanded those three things of ourselves in our daily life say for this new week how would we do justice would we seek to be more fair to the people we deal with in our business would we look at people who are not treated as equals and advocate for them Would we speak up when we hear someone use words that demean others? And and what about kindness, mercy? Would we live in faith and not the destructive power of fear? Would we look at those who suffer and choose mercy over words of blame? Would we welcome at home the poor, the oppressed, the widow, the orphan, the homeless, the refuge? refugees in our midst in the church and and what about humility eh? and and by this I mean a real humility which is to understand that none of us is any more or less loved by God than others we are all created in his image if we would walk through the world with that kind of humility how would it change us? Would we, would we be less judgmental of differences? Would we be more apt to value character over celebrity? Would we be more aware about what is good for all and not just what is good for me? Friends, to be reminded goodness by grace. It's not niceness, but nearness. Goodness is for Christ's sake to live in the love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your mind and with all your strength. And the second is this, to love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than this. And therefore the next time when you walk in the city, and a homeless person stands off the street corners. 
do not immediately pass by. And when such a man or a woman approach you, be practical, give food, give clothing out of our abundance or direct to mercy ministries, the New York Gospel Ministries on West 26th Street or even here close by or, or check for them over the phone that there is room in the inn, so to speak. So what does the Lord require of us but to do justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. And so to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, bearing fruit in every good work. And that for Christ's sake. And is he that not worth? Amen. Let us pray. Lord, that the fruits of thy word of this day and this evening may be seen in our life this week to do justly, to love kindness, mercy, and to walk humbly with thee. That thy word might transform us more and more and more in the image of thy son to be more Christ-like in this world. And so bless each of us and all of us as a congregation that this week we may testify that the Lord is good and testify of his goodness and so to show mercy and do justice and humbly walk with thee. Lord, be with us the furthest of this evening that it's still a Shabbat, a day of rest and rest in thee to give us strength for the new week that lies before us protect us, guard us be with each of us in all our needs we pray these things with thanksgiving for thy word we pray it in Christ's name alone Amen